Welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On today's daily NYFF 61 edition, director Garth Davis joins FLC Senior Director of Programming Florence Almozini to discuss Foe, a world premiere spotlight selection of this year's festival. In the year 2065, a married Midwestern couple, Hen and Junior, played by Sorcia Ronan and Paul Mescal, live in Junior's weather-beaten ancestral farmhouse. Their relationship seems to be on ground as unsolid as the expansive, desolate landscape that surrounds them, parched and mottled by decades of climate change. One night, a stranger, played by Aaron Pierre, arrives at their door with a surprising proposal, offering them the chance to change their own futures and perhaps alter the course of human existence. In this superbly rendered, sensationally acted science fiction drama, adapted from the acclaimed novel by Ian Reid, director Garth Davis brilliantly toys with viewers' perceptions while interrogating essential questions of our time about environmental apocalypse and the rise of artificial intelligence, building in emotional intensity to a devastating climax. To learn more and get tickets for this year's New York Film Festival, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with Garth Davis. Faux opens in theaters this Friday, courtesy of Amazon Studios. Um, I wanted to start the discussion by asking you about the adaptation from, from the book, but I also didn't know that Ian was here. So if you say anything wrong, it's going to correct you right away. He will. He's, look, he's already looking at me. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I assume you, you read the book and you, you're the one who thought about the adaptation, but I wanted to know what attracted you in, in, when you read the book and how did you envision putting this on the big screen? I, I guess for me, I mean, I found the book completely compelling in its mystery, um, but a kind of a really unusual, unpredictable mystery, which I found really interesting. But I guess what really drew me to it and, you know, was the central relationship and what Hen was trying to fight for and find in that relationship and um, and how this kind of experiment in a way allowed her to re-explore her marriage and kind of reconnect with her agency. So I guess that's the – what I liked was the, the combination. It had an unusual form. You know, there was kind of the classic filmic genre qualities but under it was a very deeply human story and it also just felt – radically close to happening you know it feels like this is an imminent story and even as we've been making the movie it's just becoming like things would happen during production we go holy shit this is coming real um and i don't know i, I think it raises hopefully raises a lot of questions i mean it's it's 40 years from now i think but it does feel becoming very close in terms of artificial intelligence intelligence and also in terms of um you know uh, the environment and um, all the catastrophe that are coming. But I really like the way you talked about the center and the heart of the film, which is the relationship between two people and how that transform uh, from one another in terms of how they relate to each other and in terms of how they relate to their, really, their double. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about how you developed that heart of the film? Well, there's two things there. I think the first was that what we're really interested in was how the relationship kind of echoed the state of the planet and I guess exploring our interconnectedness, you know, the way we behave is almost a reflection of the state of the planet as well. So I think there's some really deep themes there you can kind of connect to. But I guess the other thing that I found tragic about this love story is that they are great soulmates. You know, this junior does make Hen happy, but over time he just kind of lost his spontaneity and his ability to change. And I guess that's 
um, something that I find really interesting is what happens to relationships over time and how do we just remind ourselves to, you know, pull things up, reassess and just connect with our true calling. And I guess that's the, the question is like, like we can change, we can make choices in our lives that make our own lives better, but the world better as well. It's interesting to put this in the context of uh, science fiction, which we mentioned is science fiction not far from reality, really. And to keep track of, like, it's really a human story and it's really about a couple and it's really how you live every day with your beloved and how you deal with this. And we don't all have the opportunity to, <laughs> you know, disappear <laughs> to another planet and bring into, a, you know... I have a clone. Um, so how did you like work around the adaptation from what you read to what you brought into the film? Because quite some changes. I guess it, like when Ian and I met in, in Los Angeles for the first time, um, we just decided to sit in a room for a couple of days and just go through the novel together. So I really need to, I had a lot of questions. Um, but Did he answer all your questions? He did. Okay. He did. He left a few there he likes unanswered questions um but i guess uh what we realized is just how aligned we were um creatively and it was very exciting and also how we were different from each other you know we had different qualities and we're very excited about bringing them together um we definitely felt determined to make it feel grounded um and and this sense of imminentness and the other thing that was interesting for us was that you know hen in a way is kind of um, trapped by this, um, by the past, like it's like a house of ghosts. It's like Junior's holding on to the generational responsibility of his farm and his family. And so the, there's a lot of nostalgia in the film as well. So all of that just felt really, really interesting. Um, what we hold on to, what we change, what we decide to hold on to, I guess, and, and what we decide to change. Did you have any inspiration about the look of the film in terms of science fiction uh, and also in terms of like quotidian and daily life um so because it's 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 a weird science fiction film in a way because it's not bad far off but there's a definitely look of the film that is both dreamy and very like down like down to the ground yeah i guess um in a way the farm junior's farm and where hen lived with junior was like a window into the natural world or the state of the natural world and then when you move outside of that we're interested in this kind of disturbing naturalism it's like this color this kind of mega industries and uh, color was definitely something i was very keen on um exploring um and so you kind of either the land is wasted and used up and and kind of been broken or it's vibrantly colored with canola or towers tower farming so i think just that as an idea was really really intriguing and obviously patrice helped bring that to life in a really elegant and delicate way. Can you talk a little bit about your collaboration with the director of cinematography? It's uh, Matthias Erdely, who I think he shot uh, Son of Soul. So it's, it's, in terms of the interior, I totally could see how that would work, but there's also some, you know, like far out, like imagination and, and shots. So can you talk about uh, bringing him to the, to the film and how you worked with him? Yeah, I was, I was looking for a cinematographer because my regular one was very busy, which is always a nerve-wracking <laughs> thing. He broke up with you. <laughs> he did. He broke up with me. Um, but uh, I have to say I was just constantly coming back to um, Matthias's work. Um, there was something 
very simple but powerful about his work. And I guess this whole film is a like a chamber piece. It's set in one house and I didn't want to take that for granted. You can't be lazy with talking heads, drama in a, in a space. So I guess I just had this strong feeling that he could help me bring that to life, the tension, the mystery. And the other thing that was really exciting to him and I especially was, I mean, for first-time viewers, you kind of really – struggling to navigate what the hell's going on here um there's a lot of secret rivers there's a lot of truths and lies and and pretense and um just trying to calibrate that you know how obvious do we make that in the in the camera choice uh, how obvious do the actors make that and that was just kind of this delicious experiment you know for all of us so i guess um matthias uh it, it was just right up his alley it was just how his mind works um he's very very much into the script and into story and um, really wanting to know what the essence of every single scene is, to know where the camera should go. So that was um, – I found that a really enjoyable, really enjoyable process and I think, I think his work is, is, is really staggering. Are you saying that we can figure out some things from the mystery by the way it's shot by Matthias? Well, camera can create <laughs> mystery, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned that first viewing, you people can be confused, so they need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can watch. It's two movies, really. Yeah. Okay. You, you actually can enjoy it the second time in a new way. So everybody's coming back. <laughs> um, and before we wrap up, I mean, we, we have time for a few more questions, but I wanted to ask, obviously, about the cast. And we are sorry they cannot be here, but they are, like, really wonderful in their in their performance, um, did you select uh, Paul and Sershi and Aaron yourself or did it work for the casting and how did you direct them in each um, character they're playing? Well, I guess we we cast Sersha first. We thought Hen was kind of the, I guess, the spiritual totem of the film. Um, so we, we, we had to get her first and then we built the cast out from that. And then I just worked purely from... I guess instinct and um, chemistry, what I think feels right. Um, it's the first time Sushi and Paul uh, work together. I know, I know. Yeah, I thought that was weird. a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so my casting director in Australia said, Paul's in Sydney, you should come and meet him. Uh, he's crazy about the script. He'd really love to meet you. So I flew up and um, he's a megastar now. He wasn't quite the megastar then. Um, but we met up and um, we just – he was just when, such a lovely man. When did you When did, When did? did you start the process? Oh, my brain doesn't work with time okay, frames. So it was a long time ago. Ten years ago? <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago. A few years ago. I'd say a few years ago. And, um, yeah, what struck me was just his passion and understanding and it just – the, the longer I was sitting there, the more I just realised it was it was it was junior. But not only that, he comes from Ireland as well, and this couple married straight out of high school. They kind of that they're from the same place, so it just felt so right that these two would be together. And I just had a real hunch that the chemistry would feel believable, um, and they were both really kind of hungry to to kind of explore a more mature relationship and marriage as they're kind of you know heading into that direction now. Um, and then Aaron Pierre. Uh, came later on and, um, I mean, he he's kind of a completely different style of actor but just brought so much to Terence. You know, the antagonist in a way is the hardest, the hardest one to cast because you can really fall into stereotype and I was really keen to try and explore something that felt fresh and intriguing and I really thought he brought a lot of really interesting choices to, like he really did believe what he was doing was going to better humanity. Like it was something he found a way to actually believe that. And um, that was intriguing. 
That sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone's got a different idea. Um, did, did you feel you had to give different direction when you were like working with Paul in, in his different uh, interpretation of him? Or I don't know if you were oh, shot right. in yes, sequence or yeah. you know, chronologically. Uh, it's never chronological, sadly, um, but sometimes that works. Um, I guess uh, I guess what we had to do with Paul's character was when he first is brought to life at the beginning of the film, he has all the DNA and the programming of, of the real husband. So you do see a little bit of that misogynistic behaviour at the beginning, just around the edges, um, but very quickly uh, he, he lets go of that and kind of goes on this very... Uh, open spiritually open path and um and i think that we just had to kind of map out the choices on where he would go but also when he kind of regresses into i guess the design of the of the original husband you know when he you know when he's kind of pushed to the boundaries i mean that lovely speech about well not say lovely but that challenging speech about the you know the the ugliness of humanity you know is not a character moment it's pure ai moment um which is really really exciting um so there were some really exciting parts that Paul could mercurially kind of move into, which was very exciting. And then JR was the most surprising thing because we had to very, very quickly understand where Hen was at in her real relationship because then we understood what she was going through. And so very, very quickly we needed to get a taste of JR and, and what is that rigidity and um, that, that he kind of held. And I just thought Paul just brought that like when we're shooting both of him on the, on the same on the same days which was a challenge um every time i watched jr it just felt like a different person was in the room he really is an extraordinary actor so in terms of editing then you didn't have so many difficulties in terms of like dividing and putting back together like your vibe was very simple that was very simple i, I guess they were great it was very simple yeah it was very simple i guess the the biggest challenge in the film from an editing point of view was deciding how much to reveal and what to conceal. So, you know, we would explore it in an experimental way with performances, but we just had to calibrate the edit to, I hope, um, keep the audience engaged, but kind of intrigued and, and confused and excited and, um, and, and hopefully find some of the answers. Um, you didn't really answer the question about um, the look of the film and maybe influences by other science fiction films, which are not pure science fiction. And I was wondering whether else, like, is there any films that you looked or you you watch and you share with the with the cast or the crew in terms of like I'm thinking about this and I would like to go in that direction. I guess um, I definitely look. Not really. I mean, I do sometimes pull some references from films, um, but. Sometimes I look at paintings, um, it can be images, things like that. So I definitely had a visual uh, world that I gave to the actors. And then when Patrice came on, he also built out this incredible visual world. Um, so together we kind of put all the inspiration together and that was very helpful to the actors. I mean, I, I grew up with, you know, Spielberg and um, Ridley Scott and all those great sci-fi movies and character driven. So I guess... More action. <laughs> Well, just, you know, that was just good. And I just, um, I guess that influences me. And also I was just very keen to do uh, something that felt grounded and and human. Um, so, yeah, I think Faux has a, it all excited us, this kind of unique flavour and a unique voice. I agree. And I think it's it's amazing for me to watch um, a movie that's in the future and in the present and also so real and so 
frightening at the same time, but that really touch everybody in terms of like pure relationship and and what people go through to stay together or, you know. Um, before we wrap up, do you want to say something a little bit about the climax of the film and the ending of the film and why you decided to go in, in that direction? And do you think, or do you, how do you read the end? How do you read the end? <laughs> I read it at quite, I don't think anyone wanted to answer this. I read it quite sad. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, um, I guess it's a hopeful ending in the sense that Hen has chosen to live her life the way she wants to live it. There's no guarantees, I guess, but she's not, which is a very human thing. Um, and then I guess when you see Junior, you know, wander off the porch with the replacement hen, um, I guess that's the life we're living now. It's kind of this imaginary thing. And, you know, some people might think that's fantastic, but is it really fantastic? Um, so I guess uh, depending on who you are out there and how you absorb the movie, well, well, when, which, when you do you want to stay on the porch or do you want to get on the plane? When we come back for the second and third screening, we might have a different reading of the end. <laughs> um, because I, I, I mean, I, in watching it, I wasn't, yeah, I felt different emotions as well. I, I mean, I guess it looks at um, very human behavior. Like sometimes we deny the very things we know mm -hmm. would give us pleasure. Sometimes we go against things for whatever reason. I got no idea. I mean, even some smoking in the movie. I mean, we 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 do all these things to our bodies, to our relationships. Who knows? So there was a lot of smoking during filming. <laughs> no, no, just a little bit. Uh, thank you so much for coming. We have to wrap up, but thank you very, very much. Thank you very much, and thank you for um, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it.